0: heading to the wrong destination. It's really nice if you see this big bright blinking sign that says, go this way, right? That points you to your destination. That would be a nice thing if that happened. And sometimes we're fortunate enough to see that on the road where we find a sign that points us where we want to be. Uh, sometimes it's a person who can point us where we want to be. Uh, I remember hiking in the hills of Arizona a couple years ago uh, with a fairly large group and uh, it was outside of Phoenix and we had some young people with us and we kind of got a little bit lost and out of our way. and. Uh, You know, it gets pretty hot in Arizona, and uh, we didn't have enough water with us, and we started to get a little bit worried, and then uh, we very fortunately came across somebody who looked like he had known those hills before, and he pointed us the way back home, and so that was a wonderful thing that we were able to get home. Well, when we think about God, people often wonder, why isn't God more clear? Why doesn't he point us in the direction more often of the way that we should go? Uh, Who should we marry? Where should we live? What job should we take? Well, when you think about it, in the most important thing, uh, the most important decision that we could ever make, the decision about uh, trusting the Lord God, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, for our salvation, he has pointed the way to us and he has given us signs. And so we ask the question, do you wanna go to heaven? Well, if you wanna go to heaven, you follow the sign. Do you wanna be more Christ-like? If you wanna be more Christ-like, well, you follow the signs that Jesus gave. You know, most of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is ethical teaching. So ethical teaching is a, uh, uh, Christians do this and Christians don't do that. Uh, but oftentimes when we're talking about ethical teaching, the ethical teaching is only as good as the authority of the teacher, right? And so Jesus claimed absolute authority to give this teaching, but the scribes and Pharisees rejected his authority. They refused to believe that he was Christ come in the flesh. On the other hand, Jesus' followers did believe that he is Lord and Savior, uh, and they did want to follow him. And so Jesus exhorted them through his teaching uh, to obey what he was saying. And the scribes and Pharisees, well, they were hypocritical, right? And Jesus exposed them and uncovered their hypocrisy at every turn. And he taught the people how to walk in righteousness, uh, righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, most commentators agree that verse 12, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 12, is, is more or less the end of Jesus' uh, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And then beginning in verse 13, through the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that's when Jesus confronts them and challenges them to make a decision. I've taught you, now decide. Which way are you going to go? Who are you going to believe? He was encouraging them to make a decision. And so Jesus presented them with two choices. And when you think about it, Of all the religions that have ever been, you'd think there have to be more than two choices, right? Well, in fact, there are not two choices. There is Jesus's way, and then there's every other way. Any other attempt to reach uh, reach, uh, heaven without Jesus is a false way. Jesus is the only true way. And so as we uh, consider where we're going over the next uh, several verses, starting in verse 13, through the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is just giving them a whole series of choices that are are laid before them. Uh, So you have two gates, the narrow or the wide. You have two roads, the narrow or the broad. You have two groups, the many and the few. Two destinations, life or destruction. Two teachers, false and true teachers. Two trees that produce two kinds of fruit, good and bad. There are two builders, one wise and one foolish. There are two foundations, one rock and one sand. And there are two houses, one that stood when the storm struck and the other one that fell. And so we have to decide what road we're on. Uh, we are either on the narrow road that leads to the narrow, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the narrow gate that leads to the narrow road that leads to life, or we're on the other road. That's the broad gate that leads to the broad road that leads to destruction. It's either salvation by grace or it's salvation by some other way. And so we have to decide. So we'll look at verses 13 and 14 today and see that if we want to reach the right destination, it all starts with entering through the narrow gate. Uh, So let's read verses 13 and 14 again. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So we see right off the bat that, that Jesus starts this with a command, right? Enter through the narrow gate. He's telling them something to do. And yet, entering requires a decision on our part, right? When we are commanded to do something, we can either obey or we can disobey that command, now, this is not the proper time for a full exposition uh, of uh, election and predestination. Uh, we obviously see in Scripture that uh, predestination and election are true. God does predestine, God does pre-elect or pre-elect uh, and predestine. But also, the Bible is clear that we have an opportunity to choose, and we have to choose, and we are responsible to choose. And from our perspective, our choice is a real choice. We can obey the command or we can disobey the command and go our own way. But there are consequences if we decide that we want to go our own way. So let's talk then about the two gates. Uh, This is a very simple metaphor, right? A gate is a point of entry. uh, And there are two gates to choose from. One is a narrow gate, one is a broad gate. Uh, I think of it a little bit like going to the Texas State Fair. Like when you go to the Texas State Fair, if you wanna get into the fair, you first have to walk through this narrow gate, right? That's the security gate and only one person can pass through that gate at a time. And then after you pass through that narrow gate, then everybody reassembles again, you get your party back together, and then you walk into the st- uh, state fair together, that's the broad gate. Now, I don't wanna push the analogy too far because uh, all those people are going to the same place, right? Uh, I'm just using it to show that there is a narrow gate that you enter by making a decision, and there's a broad gate. In Jesus's. Uh, analogy here. There are two very different gates that lead to two very different roads. Two very different kinds of people are in view here, and they're headed to two very different places. So I don't want to push it too far, but I just want us to see that we enter through that narrow gate one person at a time based on a decision that we make. Now the narrow gate, of course, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation alone get to enter through the narrow gate. And the gospel is this. Jesus, eternally God, came to earth. Uh, he He inhabited a human body and he lived a perfect, sinless life that we could not live. And then he paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross for our sins taking the penalty that we deserved. And God showed that he was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice by raising him from the dead uh, to show that he will raise us too from the dead if we place our faith in him. Now, we aren't Christians because our parents were Christians, right? It's been said God has no grandchildren. God only has children. Uh, So our decision is individual We are not Christian because uh, we were born in America or by process of elimination because we're not Jews or Hindus or Muslims or whatever else. Uh, We're Christian because we have made a personal decision uh, to follow Jesus, to make him Lord and Savior of our lives. And anybody who puts their trust in Jesus for their salvation alone will be saved and will be raised as well. Now that is the narrow gate. Now, there are so many ways that people try to enter into salvation through the broad gate, right? If you've been with us for any of our, (coughs) excuse me, Wednesday night studies, uh, we've been learning about cults and world religions and we've seen so many different ways that people are trying to get to heaven, but what we see is that they are all trying to follow some type of works-based salvation that gets them to heaven or nirvana or paradise or whatever they're calling it Through a works-based system of righteousness. When you study these religions, uh, Eastern religions, uh, Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they're all very, very different, but the common thread that runs through them all is works, working your way to salvation to please whoever your God happens to be. And so, The other common thread is that you're never sure if you've done enough. You never know if you've pleased your deity enough that he will save you uh, when you die. And they carry that weight with them their entire lives. Right to the moment of their death, they fear death because when they die they 're not sure what their deity is going to do. are they going to accept them? are they going to reject them uh, and so that 's a terrible weight, but so they fear death, but it also robs them of life right you can 't live your life happily when you live in fear that you need to perform to please this deity or else you will not make it into heaven, paradise, nirvana, or whatever they 're calling it and so Uh, When you have a a God who is going to weigh you on the scales of justice based on your good works versus your bad works, well, I'd be pretty unsettled about that too. There's a lot of fear involved there. Uh, Thankfully, we have a God of grace, uh, but for them, the uncertainty of their salvation takes all the joy out of life. So, when we think about that, uh, we have to think about, yes, that's them, but what about us? You know, sometimes Christians, too, carry around a whole lot of baggage that is not necessary for us to carry around. We fear the penalty of sin and and mistakes that we've made in our lives, And, and when we do that, the problem is not that we believe in Jesus, right? We believe in Jesus for our salvation. The problem is that we don't fully understand grace sometimes. Uh, when you see somebody who's carrying around a whole load of guilt, uh, that's why they haven't figured out how to leave that guilt uh, and live under grace. Uh, Jesus didn't say, I'll pay 80% and you pay 20% with your good works and good deeds, right? Jesus said, I paid it all. I paid all of it. Not one bit do you have to pay. And thank God, because we couldn't pay any of it, right? So when we place our faith in him, our debt, a ledger is wiped clean we are debt free and we no longer owe that debt to him so when we come to the narrow gate as christians we have to leave a lot of baggage behind but maybe better said we get to leave a lot of baggage behind right remember the gate is narrow. I picture it like trying to squeeze through this little tight doorway, and I can't do it if I'm carrying a backpack uh, of regret and four uh, suitcases full of regret and performance and guilt with me, right? I have to leave those things on this side of the gate or else I can't squeeze my way through. Uh, So one of these things, one of these baggages that we try to carry through is our performance, right? We We love what we do, the things that we do, trying to uh, build up this really great uh, list of things that we do for God, but when we stand before him, he is not going to ask about our accomplishments. He's going to ask what we did with Jesus. Our works are but filthy rags before him compared to his righteousness, and he cannot let us into heaven unless we have an answer for the problem of our sin and we have to say that we have not trusted in ourselves for salvation, but we have trusted in Christ alone for our salvation if we want to pass through and get into heaven. And then we don't have to worry if we have done enough good works or, or, or have enough good things listed on our resume. Uh, nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. That is the message of grace. Now, another backpack that we try to carry through this narrow gate is this weight of our past sin. And just like our works don't get us into heaven, our sin doesn't keep us out of heaven when we have have accepted Jesus as our savior. So we're not supposed to carry around this baggage of guilt of sin anymore. Uh, When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, right? Not it's 80% finished. It's all finished. Jesus did it all. He paid the full penalty for our sin, past, present, and future. And so we leave that backpack on this side of the gate, and we shimmy through the gate, and we leave that baggage behind, and we don't pick it up again once we get onto the other side of the gate. What a burden to be relieved of. So leave it there. Don't pick it up again. You don't take that through the narrow gate. You leave it there. Jesus paid for that. And so the Christian life brings us great joy because it's not based on anything that we have done. It's based on what God has done. It's based on the relationship between God and Jesus. And uh, we are a gift as believers to Jesus from God. And so we're just swept up in this divine love between God and Jesus. And we don't have to worry about what we've done. We just allow that love to carry us along. And we are relieved of the burdens of our sins and that should bring us great joy as well. And no other religion offers that. Uh, you can search far and wide. Any other world religion does not offer a salvation based on grace. We are given the gift of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. You know, Jesus used this metaphor another time of, of a gate or a door in John chapter 10. Uh, he said this in verses 7 through 9. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will go out and find pasture. So we see that there are two gates. Those who enter through the narrow gate through Jesus will be saved and they will be safe. And those who try to enter through another way will not be saved, nor will they be safe. You know, that really bothers unbelievers. Have you ever noticed that before? That it really is a, get, gets under their skin. Uh, how smug, how arrogant they say that we Christians would, would say that we have the right way and the only way and that there's no other way. Well. When they say that to you, you have to say, look, I didn't say it, Jesus said it. You know? Go to the Bible and, and argue with Jesus. Don't argue with me, I'm just the messenger here. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so we see that there is only one way, there is only one way and that's Jesus Christ. Now, don't apologize for this exclusivity of Christianity. Christianity is exclusive in that you have to come through Jesus. But it is inclusive in that everyone is invited. Everyone can come, but you must come through the narrow gate. You must come through Jesus. So there are two gates. There are also two roads. The narrow gate leads to the narrow road. The broad way leads to the broad road. And everyone who has ever been born, other than Jesus, has been born on the broad road because we are born tainted by Adam's original sin and tainted by our own sin. And so every impulse, every thought we have is selfish uh, and it's tainted by sin and our sin nature. And the longer we stay on that broad road, the longer we are going to remain in our sin. So to find the narrow gate requires that we make a decision to seek it. We have to look for it. It's very easy to get swept along on the broad road. It's the default position of the world. The whole world is on this broad road, uh, and the people who are on it are everybody who has not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ for their salvation. They're the ones going through life without thinking about their sin, thinking about its consequences, thinking about their eternal destiny. And if we continue to to allow ourselves to be swept along on that broad road, well, We'll never make that intentional decision to follow Jesus Christ, and that destination is destruction, as we will see. We have to make a decision to get off of that broad road and seek the narrow gate that leads to the narrow road. Now, the Greek here is interesting because the Greek part where it says uh, the narrow gate, that's one Greek word. That Greek word means, uh, the Greek word is stevas, and it simply means it's like a dimension. The dimension of the gate is narrow. But when it talks about the narrow road, a different word is used there. It's the word flipsis. uh, And that has a different meaning uh, than dimension. Uh, It means to, to press close or crowd against or to cause something to be constricted or narrow because it has been pressed together from both sides. So not just the dimensions, but this is narrow because it's being pressed together and that's what is making it narrow. So to be troubled, to be oppressed, to be afflicted, That's what this word means, and that's why some translations say narrow is the gate and hard is the road that leads to life, right? Because this is a hard road that we're on. So it's one thing to find the narrow gate, that's salvation, but the road does not become easy just because we have found the narrow gate, right? We're going to be oppressed, we're going to be pressed from uh, both sides. The Christian life is hard, Right, right, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount for the past six months. Is this stuff hard or is this stuff easy? This stuff is hard, right? Just think about what Jesus has said so far in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes. The first Beatitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last Beatitude is, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is the goal and all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been describing the marks of kingdom citizens. Who are displaying these characteristics of people who are citizens of the kingdom. He's describing people who have found the narrow gate and who are walking on the narrow road. A kingdom citizens are poor in spirit. They mourn their sin. They're meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are merciful. They're pure in heart. They are persecuted for righteousness. They are peacemakers. Uh, Their righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, not because they do more good works than the scribes and Pharisees, but because they have found a different gate and they're walking a different road than the scribes and Pharisees. They're on a different path. They're on the path of Jesus. Kingdom citizens don't even harbor a malicious thought toward another person. They don't swear falsely. They don't judge. They don't plot revenge. They don't lust. They choose God over money rather than money over God. They give. They fast. They pray with the right attitudes. They don't worry or judge others hypocritically. They examine themselves for sin. They ask, seek, and knock for the spiritual blessings that are theirs, and they treat others as themselves. Now, is that easy, that whole list of things? That's a hard, hard list of things to do, and that's why the road is narrow. The road is narrow because it's so hard. The broad road is enticing, right? It's easier. There's so much less pressure on the broad road. We can do what we want to do. Uh, we can hold our own truth. We can believe whatever we want to believe, and nobody will question it. Uh, we can not worry about losing friends because we're not gonna lose friends on the broad road. We're not gonna be ridiculed on the broad road or subject to scorn or persecution. We can live for ourselves without a thought for anyone else on the broad road. We don't have to constantly examine ourselves for sin and and then repent of it. Uh, The broad road is the road of tolerance and blatant immorality and sin without consequence. It's an easy road. The narrow road is hard because it will come with cost. Remember what I said about the definition. It means to constrict or oppress. So being a Christian means more than just entering through the narrow gate. Now we have to walk the walk, we have to walk that narrow road. Uh, And so what has walking on the narrow road cost you? When we examine our lives and our walks, uh, we may have lost friends, we may have lost family members, job promotions, jobs. Uh, we may have been persecuted, scorned, ridiculed. All kinds of things come with walking on the narrow road. And we have to be prepared to pay that cost if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus talked about the cost of discipleship. In Luke chapter 14, in verse 6, he said, "'If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, and brothers, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple.'" And then in verse 27, he said, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he used these two illustrations uh, to show how we have to count the cost. He talked about a builder. What builder builds a tower unless he has first counted the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it or else he'll be mocked and ridiculed if he gets the tower built halfway and doesn't have enough money to finish it. Or uh, what commander of an army will look at his Uh, 10,000 troops and then see his enemy coming with 20,000 and decide whether he can defeat that enemy or whether he should go and make peace. Uh, So the cost of discipleship is hard. It can cost us everything. The rich young ruler wasn't prepared to pay it, right? The thing he loved the most was money, and he wasn't prepared to give it up. And so we have to ask ourselves if there is anything, 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 in our lives that is uh, in the way of our becoming true disciples of Jesus Christ and staying on that narrow road. So the road is hard. There are two gates, there are two roads, and there are two groups of travelers. They are called the many and the few. You know, there are only about two billion people on this planet of about seven and a half billion people uh, who call themselves Christians. Um, even among people, though, who profess to be Christians, uh, some of them uh, think they're Christians, but they have not made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ yet. And by process of elimination, like I said earlier, because they're not Jews, Hindus, or Muslims, or something else, they think that they must be Christians. But they have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And as we'll see in a couple of weeks, uh, when we get to this verse, it says that uh, Jesus said, many will call me Lord, Lord, and I will say to you, depart from me, I never knew you, and, and, and that is a very scary thing, but they won't enter the kingdom because of their lawless, lawlessness, because they were not true disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, on the broad road that leads to destruction, of course, are all non-professing Christians, but sadly, even people who profess to be Christians. But what we see here is that true followers of Jesus Christ have always been in the minority, and unless something radically changes, we probably will always be in the minority, And it's shocking when you think about it that that number of people are going to go through the broad gate onto the broad road and such a small percentage of people are going to be on the narrow road that leads to life. But Jesus was pretty clear about it. There are two destinations. Some are going onto the broad road that leads to destruction and fewer are on the narrow road that leads to life. So let's talk about these two destinations. One is life, which means salvation. The narrow gate and the difficult road lead there. The other is destruction, which means hell. The broad gate and the broad road lead there. Now, I want us to understand that Jesus was no universalist, right? A universalist believes that everybody goes to heaven because God is love and he loves people too much to ever send people to hell. And I think that if you can take certain verses out of context in the Bible, you could build a theology built on universalism. I can see how you can find it there. But this ignores the great body of scripture that talks about God's holiness and God's justice. And so universalists are very strong on God's God's love, but they disregard his love and his justice. And uh, so Jesus could not have been more clear in this passage. There are two destinations. Uh, there is a hell, and some people will go there, sadly, and they'll go there because they have not made the decision to enter through the narrow gate. So there are two gates, two roads, two groups of people, two destinations, and there are two choices. You can choose to get on that narrow, through the narrow gate and on the narrow road, or you can choose another way now, we naturally read this passage right, through our 21st century eyes, right? Of course, that's what we do. We're on this side of the cross. We're in history. Uh, Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven and we're waiting for him to come again. But his original audience didn't have that information, did they? Now, they're standing on this hillside and they're listening to this. Uh, relatively obscure, uh, seemingly uneducated itinerant preacher from Nazareth. And so they have to make a decision. Are we going to follow this man or are we going to follow the admired scribes and Pharisees who've been teaching us uh, for many, many years? What are we going to do? Uh, And so they have to make a choice. And Jesus wasn't introducing a a brand new concept to them about choice. Uh, We see in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures that they would have been familiar with Uh, that they were quite familiar with the idea of choices and consequences. So let's just quickly read Psalm 1 and take a look what this has to say. You see two groups of people here. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. All right, so that is the blessed man. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor will sit, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked, of the way of the wicked will perish. So Psalm one warns us that there are good people, there are people who are standing in the assembly of the righteous, and then there are the wicked people and they will not stand in the assembly of the righteousness. The people who the, the assembly of the righteous. So the people who are walking on God's path, those are God's saints. They have found the narrow gate, they're walking on the narrow road. And the wicked are on the other road, leading to the other destination. We see it also in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, choices. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not obey, but are drawn away from wor- uh, and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish and so again, a choice has to be made. It's obedience versus rebellion. Do you want blessings? Do you want cursings? It seems like an easy choice, right? Who doesn't want blessing over cursing? But then uh, as we come to, back to uh, Jesus' day, in John chapter 6, he's preaching and telling them that he is the bread of life. And we read there that many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And few of them, a few of them remained, and Jesus said to them, Do you want to go? Do you want to go away too? And Peter stands up and says, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. To where else will we go? And so we see that this choice has to be made. The many left him, and the few remained. So the gate is narrow. The road is hard. Not many will find it, but those who do will inherit eternal life. We are not looking for the road of external, external religious performance like the scribes and Pharisees. We are looking for the road of internal transformation because of a personal relationship and a personal decision that we have made to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that relationship is often strengthened through times of hardship and the trials of life. But it's a choice. Well, what about us? We on this side of the cross, well, we have the whole plan of salvation laid out before us and the choice should be easier for us than it was for them in the first century because we live on this side of the cross where Jesus has died, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven and we're waiting for him to come again. So it should be easier for us, but is it? Are we willing to pay the cost of discipleship or are we going to choose the broad road? We have to choose. And it's a choice between two worldviews. The Christian worldview accounts for everything that we could could imagine in life. It accounts for creation. In in the beginning, God created. Uh, The Christian worldview accounts for sin and evil and death in the world, right? Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and sin and death entered into the world. Uh, The Christian worldview accounts for the answer to our problem of sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sin. And Jesus redeemed us by his death. uh, And he's coming again to restore creation uh, to the perfect creation that it was before it was marred by human sin. And he's going to bring his own to heaven. So the worldview of atheists or any other religion uh, cannot account systematically for uh, creation, sin, death, evil, redemption. And in each one of those religions, atheism or any other religion that you uh, want to talk about, ultimately, there is no hope in those religions. So the choice is between two worldviews. Also, the choice is personal. We don't get to heaven because we were born into a Christian family or because we were baptized, or because we have been good by our own definition of good. We get to heaven because we have repented of our sins, and we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and have committed ourselves to following him. And we will all face God one day and have to answer for the choice we made during our lives about Jesus. And then finally, the choice is eternal. Once you die, you won't have a second chance. Uh, You won't get to change your mind. You won't be allowed to make excuses for yourself. Hebrews 9.27 says it is given to man once to die and then the judgment. So are you on the narrow road or are are you on the broad road? I pray that if there is anyone here or within the sound of my voice who is on the broad road and has not yet chosen to choose uh, Jesus Christ as their savior, I pray that today would be the day and I am always available if anybody wants to have a conversation about that. So let us pray. Lord God, these are some hard verses. Lord, there are people who are in, who are on the, broad, uh, on the narrow road, and there are people who are on the broad road that leads to destruction, Lord. And we pray, first of all, that we have chosen the narrow gate and that we're on the narrow road And Lord, we pray that we would help people who are on the broad road right now, that we could help them find the narrow gate like that hiker in the Arizona Hills helped us find our way home, Lord. Help us be people who are able to point uh, lost people toward the narrow gate. Give us opportunity, Lord, and thank you for what your son has done. In Christ's name we pray, amen.